back everybody this is another live episode of growing with my fellow growers we are joined with a guest and the usual panel this week i'm going to pass it off first to the oklahoma duo that's joining uh, us together in one frame this week aaron the grower and brandon rust welcome what's up what is going on everybody i'm about to rename this here so people can see both of us I'm Brandon Rust. You can find me at Bokashi Earthworks. Um, ATG here. How'd you spell ATG it? Acres on Instagram. Uh, next up, we've got Spartan Grown up in Michigan. Cheers, Spartan. What's up, everybody? I'm Spartan Grown. You can find me on Instagram. All one word, Spartan Grown. Or if you don't have social media, you can shoot me an email at spartangrown at gmail.com, and I'll try to get back to you as soon as possible. I'm an organic grower in Michigan at home and at work, I grow synthetically. So I get my foot in kind of both sides. We're happy to have you back as always. It's a pleasure. Uh, my phone was not on mute there. I'm trying to pull up the live chat. Just a reminder to everybody to make sure you click on over to the live chat so you can see all the messages and don't have any filtered out by the YouTube algorithm. Next up, going over to the East Coast, we have Predicative Breeding. Kyle, how's it going? Hey everybody, my name is Kyle Breeder and uh, yeah, uh, what I specialize in is uh, feminized seeds. If anybody's looking for something like that, and autoflower seeds, thanks to Full Duplex. Um, you can find my website at the letter P followed by breeding.com. And you can look at any of my work at uh, Predicated Breeding on all social media platforms. And if you want to check out my personal Instagram, which doesn't have much on there, is uh, Breeders Genetics. And uh, yeah, glad to be here and uh, glad to see uh, what we have to entail tonight. Happy to have you back on another full panel this week. Uh, next up, another East Coaster. We got the American one. Jack, panel, everyone in chat. It's good to be here tonight. Um, I hope everyone had a great weekend so far. We got an extra day in tomorrow. So I uh, hope you're all taking advantage of it and uh, stay lifted and gifted. Always happy to have you and lifted and gifted already for sure. Uh, feeling that way at least. I'm going to bring it back to the West Coast and pass it over to Dr. MJ Coco. Hey, grower love everyone. I'm Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. Uh, we publish articles, tutorials, and guides on the science and practice of growing cannabis, and I'm excited for the show today. Excited to have you, as always. Uh, just watched one of your light reviews for that Medic uh, Fold 8 LED that's going to be given away after the Coco for Cannabis strain review. is. Uh, I think it's on the first, which is pretty exciting stuff for anybody who entered Yeah, that. one day left to get your strain reviews in for that one. Today is the final day for sure, and another Southern Californian who's joining us this week is our resident IPM specialist and Skunk Magazine writer, uh, general awesome dude, uh, Matthew Gates. Welcome. Yeah, I'm going by uh, Insectus Optimus Maximus for this week, Jack. No, but uh, I, I appreciate it. No, thanks. Uh, like you said, I'm an IPM specialist, and I'm making a lot of content on the internet geared towards uh, pest management agriculture, and particularly uh, the cannabis space for the last five or six years, I uh, also had a published book come out, or at least a chapter in a book come out. I got to get that sound bite right. Um, and if you have any IFM questions, you can head over to my YouTube channel, Zenthanol, as well as my Discord, which is accessible through Patreon for those who have those burning IPM questions and want some help. I'm trying to be as helpful to people as possible. I've found since uh, even before I met you, you've been extremely helpful to not just me, but the entire uh, community at large when it comes to IPM identifying pests and uh, how to deal with them. So always grateful to have you here and uh, thankful for your time and uh, encourage the people to support at least that $1 Patreon if you uh, 
can, you'll get access to a pretty awesome Discord group and have access to basically the uh, holy grail of IPM, uh, getting things figured out over there. Um, Matthew's a wonderful resource, but last but certainly not least, we have a new uh, person joining our panel this week, uh, special guest, Max Scrimmin Ruby. He asked a while back to be on the show. And uh, back then, I wasn't having anybody that hadn't been on an individual interview. But since our old host is no longer with us doing individual interviews, we sort of broke that rule a few weeks back and had some uh, guests on here and there. So we're happy to have uh, another guest on this week. Welcome, Max. Hey, everybody. What's up? Happy to be here. Uh, my name is Max Scrimmin Ruby with underscores instead of uh, a space. And once again, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, been waiting to come on the show, and I'm glad we made it possible. In the uh, time between when you initially were inquiring about coming on the show, we actually kind of, like I said, had the thing of people had were only coming on the Growing With My Fellow Growers if they had been on another Cheap Home Grow show, whether it was an individual interview or a little round table, whatever it may be. Um, but we're happy to have you this week. And uh, I wanted to mention that we, I actually myself kind of pushed you a bit to start your own podcast and uh, you've been doing that for a while. And several of us, I believe, have actually been on your show over there at Talking Buds. Yeah, um, I did start um, a little podcast called Talking Buds, and I had uh, you, Kyle, and Dr. MJ on so far. Um, plan to have everybody actually come on, and uh, I'm still doing other home grower videos and uh, content with other people, but it's just taking a little bit longer to get out. So, outside of the Instagram at Max Scrimmin Ruby, where can the people find you? Uh, you can also find me at uh, Talking Buds Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, I do check that weekly. So, do you have a YouTube page? I don't have a YouTube page, no. No worries. I just when I heard you say uh, you're making videos for grow related content, is that on the Instagram? Well, I'm, I'm uh, sending actually like uh, videos and like how to's to another person with a YouTube channel, but it hasn't been started yet. So, I'm not even going to list it right now. No worries. Just I uh, wanted to make sure to plug it. Uh, if you do end up uh, giving me the link to that, I could put it in the description of this after the fact. So people that watch this, I don't know how much of a group that is, but anybody who goes back after uh, weeks later and listens to this, they could go and see whatever that YouTube may end up being. Just wanted to say welcome to the show. Always happy to have a new perspective and new home grower uh, with us. And maybe for the chat and listeners, uh, you could tell us a little bit about yourself and um, maybe when you started growing and uh, how you're growing now. Yeah, for sure. So I started growing um, probably just over a year and a half ago. I just and, uh, got multiple. Um, uh, I'm from the Midwest, right by Michigan. So we do have access to, you know, good genetics or clones. Um, and also, I mean, it doesn't really matter since pretty much everybody will ship you seeds. But uh, yeah, I just started, you know, in a little four by four tent with a couple cheap Mars Hydro lights. And uh, from there, I've actually gone to a four by eight tent. And uh, I'm doing um, like a split test right now with uh, a quantum board LED versus uh, one of the photon tech lights, actually, that uh, Dr. MJ hooked me up with and got me in with and so I'm trying to you know see what the difference is between the lights how they distribute the light and um, you know just the end weights and see what the difference is and so far that photon tech is definitely the better light so um, I do like the bar style lights and that's probably all I will be buying from now on. 
Now, it's cool to see a lot of the LEDs switching over to the bar style. I think it does distribute the light a little bit better. Um, Doc, I'm curious what you think about Mars has been making, in my opinion, some pretty uh, large advances over the last few years. They, A lot of people might know them from the Blurple days when they made lesser quality lights, but they've come a really far away since then. They're making the white spectrum LEDs with boosts and reds and things like UVs and some blues in some cases. And uh, I think even now there's some i think it's like the fc something that has a bar style daca what do you think about their bar style lights and um are they holding up with some of the more expensive lights yeah they really are um the last couple of uh the bar style lights from mars the larger both the fc and the fce that's the adjustable bar one um they're like top of the line. I mean, a, a little like 2.4, I think, or right around there, 2.38, 2.4 for uh, the photon efficiency on both of those, which is really like at the top of the charts. There's very few fixtures that get better than that. The smaller fixtures are a little bit less efficient down like the 2.1 to 2.2 range, but that's just sort of a function of the economies of scale and sort of how efficient you can be in different size spaces. But uh, absolutely. Um, you know, at the same time, the the prices have come up a little bit on the Mars fixtures, so they're no longer sort of the, the cheapest lights out there, but um, they definitely stand up. In fact, um, I recommended uh, Mars light to one of my family members who's starting to grow their own in a 2x4, and uh, the SP3000, when you look at that PAR map and the efficiency and the cost up front of getting started with that, for a two by four, I figured was uh, the perfect light for them in that space. And uh, I was really impressed when I saw how evenly distributed the light was and how high the PPFD ratings were, not like over a thousand in any spots, but it was anywhere from a thousand to like 850 for, I'd say like yeah. 80, 80% plus of the map. There was a It's a ton of light below. for a you know, four by two ten. That's the light I run in my four by two ten. Um, and yeah, it's been one of my most popular videos. And then I did the the Grillite physics video with two of those and sort of showed what they could do in different coverage size spaces. So if anybody hasn't seen that yet, be sure to check out that video. It really gets into depth about Grillite testing and how different Grillites sort of perform in different size spaces. That's the beauty of that light is if you want to expand from a two by four to a four by four, you can get a second one and then put them both in there and they become even more efficient. Um, I also wanted to say for anybody who knows that they're going to go with at least a four by four or a five by five, that medic, uh, is it medic grow fold eight? Is that how it's yeah. said? So that light, um, when you dimmed it down to 80% and put it in a four by four was pretty <laughs> insane. How, uh, again, it, you know, a corner. lot of lights that are five by five lights, cause that's really designed to be a five by five light. And most of those lights are actually almost exactly four by four in terms of the physical size of them. And that's just because of sort of shipping container sizes and the, the box dimension limits um, of about 120 centimeters. So um, most lights, most of those LED bar arrays that will are designed for five by fives will fit in a four by four and will produce an, a really excellent um, spread of light at a dimmer setting like that. Um, I usually don't test that. The reason I tested that with the Medigro is just because it's so cheap that it actually makes sense to like buy that light for a four by four. You know, most of the time it, you wouldn't want to spend like a thousand dollars buying a big light that could go in a five by five if all you have is a four by four. So totally. Um, well, the other thing yeah, is that's like one you of said, the most impressive sort of par maps and, and the, the value on that is just insane. Well, it being so cheap, I mean, I think it was in the 30 something cent range per yeah. uh, whatever it was though. I don't know if it was per watt or per PPFD. 
uh, measurement, but that was compared to like Mars at like 60 cents, which I thought was actually fair, like up to a dollar for some of the higher end lights. Yeah. So the cost was so low. You know, a dollar is going to be expensive. Now, when, when we started this just a year ago, a dollar was sort of like a threshold, an important threshold between sort of like an expensive light and a bargain light. Um, but any more like, you know, 70 cents is starting to get expensive, 60 cents. And this is per micromole. So, and it's per micromole of usable PPF. So that's a, a measure of the amount of light that reaches the canopy. So if you take the amount of light that reaches the canopy and then divide it by the purchase cost, you get this efficiency that we're talking about here. Um, yeah, the Metacro is like 36 cents per micromole. And, you know, 50 cents is an incredible price. Um, a lot of the, the fixtures are coming in about 60 cents. Um, and it used to be absolutely like a dollar used to be sort of the threshold. So they've definitely come down in price significantly. And despite not having the most uh, fancy diodes, it still had like a 2.2 usable PPF. Yeah. Uh, so, or PPFD, I should say. And that is pretty high efficiency for the amount of diodes they slam in that light for the cost. It's unbelievable. Um, what made sense to me was when you inquired with them they said they're trying to gain market share and companies will even sell lights at a loss like mars did that for many many years they sold many lights at a loss um so because like in their case they had the chinese communist government behind them they could afford to lose money before they wanted to make money to gain a ton of market share so they sent out free lights they sold lights for less than uh, even it costs to produce them in many cases to gain market share now that kind of makes this like the golden era if you're going to buy a 4x4 or 5x5 light to get a Medic Fold 8. And I'm not sponsored by them. I don't get anything for saying this. I don't even have a discount code or anything. But the reason I say that is because when a company is trying to get market share, then they're literally like selling this at a loss and they're giving you a, a much better quality product than you're even paying for. Like it's Yeah, they're half, subsidizing half the, price. the cost. I mean, they're, they're absolutely, they're investors. That also the cost tells you though, the brand. they're not just going to cut and run. Because if they're going to sell shit at a loss in the first year, they want to hang around for a few years, presumably. And they're going to try and provide good customer service, I would hope. Because if they're going to lose money up front, they're trying to get a bunch of customers and hopefully provide good service to them. So I guess that will be to see in uh, in the long run how they hold it. Yeah, I was was really suspicious when I first got that light. I was like, this this thing's too good to be true. And if you watch my video, you, you can sort of sense that mood because I'm like, what, what's the catch here? What's, what's sort of going on with this? But, you know, it's been out for several months now. I know a, a ton of growers that have bought it and are using it and it, it just performs really well. Um, one of our, our prominent members, uh, Hemp with Gigi, um, who also goes by Green Girl, um, just harvested a big grow under the one that I tested um, and was really happy with it. So absolutely. Cheers to Hemp with GG. They were in one of my live streams earlier this week. I'm going to pass it over to Spartan Grown. Uh, I know you won a science LED and you also run a few different LEDs. You've got some uh, HLGs over there. I'm curious uh, if since switching, or I guess not switching, but having both now for a little while, the quantum board and the bar style, uh, have you noticed anything that the science does? It's not a traditional bar. I know it has the uh, mixing spectrum. Have you played with that at all? Is there any big differences between the two? So... I can't answer your question too too in depth because honestly, I haven't fucked with that light to its fullest potential like I could have, like I should, I guess I should say. Um, I've got it set up as a normal light. I use it so it, it works like a regular timer comes on. The only bells and whistles that I'm really utilizing on that light right now is I, I do like this slow gradual on time with the light and off time with the light where it starts at maybe 0% and then gradually increases over a half hour to 100%. I do the same thing on both sides and it's mostly for the 
to help the HVAC on those transitions to lights on and off uh, with that light gradually going out rather than just going from full blast to off. So I like it for that. Um, between as far as if I were to compare that light with the HLGs, I think for your money, the HLG is a little bit better at the time that light was more than the HLG. Um, but for your added money, you do get extra features. You get the timer in the light, which at first I was in love with, but now I'm kind of starting to hate. I wish they were separate um, because that timer isn't on the same timer as my other lights, right? It's got its own. So it's difficult to set that to exactly the same as my other timers. But as far as it's functional, like a light works great. I get good, good yields out of it and uh, I have no complaints there. And I can get the plants really close, which is uh, something I, I'm height restricted. That's one of my, that's one of my, um, what you call weak points would be height. I don't have a lot of height. So that helps me a lot there. I love the uh, Raging Kush for that because it has optics on it. So it, it spreads the light more. And uh, so it bounces light in all different angles and you can get a, a lot closer, like eight inches. I can get eight inches away from the canopy. So that's pretty close. But that I'm, sounds pretty cool. What's I'm the HLG, HLG distance from the canopy that you run your HLGs? I usually try to stay around 18, uh, 18 inches, but um, I'm, there has been times for sure when they've been closer, as close as 12 inches. Once you get closer than 12, there's not many cultivators that, that I've run that will really not struggle under the intensity after about 12 inches. In the name of growing though, four to 10 inches is a nice little uh, assisted headroom when it comes to the light. So yeah, um, I could see having more like in time if and when the HLGs ever are less efficient enough and you want to go to a KL 2.0 or something or even a different bar style uh, transitioning just for the additional headspace because I have cobs like cob LEDs which you can't run as close to the canopy if you're running them 100% as you would uh, quantum board or even a bar style LED but that being said even with like a five foot space I've made it work and I really love the LED versus like a CMH or HPS so uh, I've seen a lot of really good stuff. I want to pass it over to Oklahoma there for a little bit because it looks like these guys have been token down. I was smoking on earlier, well, vaporizing technically, if anybody saw my live stream, some Garanimals from Aaron the Grower. So I want to say cheers to Brandon and Aaron over there. What are you guys smoking on? We're smoking on this, uh, I don't know, but it tastes like Jack. What is it? Oh, it's the uh, Limerilla times Mac V2. It's a Jack flavor. It's really delicious. Nice heady cerebral high brandon loves those for sure uh most of the stuff that i smoked with brandon was pretty uplifting except for gorilla glue other than the glue uh everything was mostly heady good stuff though all of his weed is fire he actually has some of the granimals too i uh i somehow i hypothetically allegedly brought some here allegedly yeah no for sure that's always fun stuff when you travel to share and uh let people sample the stuff. I had a question earlier in my, my live stream this morning. Somebody asked us to talk about reverse transpiration. And I was like, what is that? And they're basically talking about like spraying the plant. So like transpiration being like the plant is giving off water. Uh, this case being reverse transpiration, how to take advantage of something like a foliar spray to uh, get nutrients into the leaf or uh, anything like that. I'm curious if Doc or uh, Brandon, anybody has thoughts on that? Well, I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose it's sort of akin to a reverse transpiration. It's a little bit different. Um, but um, yeah, you're talking about just foliar feeding, it sounds like. Yeah, they kind of just popped into the, I'm 
loosely remembering a question and I can't even remember who asked it, but uh, in my live stream earlier, that's part of the problem with getting a little bit overly medicated on these Sundays. But um, yeah, they're just talking, if we could talk about reverse transpiration, maybe what it is and uh, maybe how it compares to foliaring. They mentioned, because I, I, off the top of my head at the moment, I wasn't like super familiar with it. And I described what transpiration was then. And I kind of thought about it in reverse. Um, so I'm curious if, does a plant do that naturally? Does the plant have any process where it reverse transpires, where it's taking in moisture from the environment just naturally? I feel like that. Yeah. But like, I feel like that name is so like unwieldy and unhelpful because yeah, it's the first time I've heard of it too. Me too. Yeah, I, I was like a that. little bit thrown off and that's why I figured I'd bring it up with the panel and see if anybody else was more familiar with it. Wish I knew that's gotta be a name not the terminology. It. It's not, yeah, it's just not probably not reverse. It could be though, it could be reverse trans uh isn't the, transpiration. Well, like, if we're talking about like evapotranspiration, then that's like not really the reverse of that. Not right. really. Yeah, I mean transpiration is just losing the water out of the stomata of the leaves. Um and the plant will control sort of how much water it, it tries to maintain or, or by opening and closing the stomata. Um, reverse transpiration, it doesn't work in exactly the opposite fashion because that process, sort of the, the force that's drawing the water out is the vapor pressure deficit in air. Um, and you're not, I mean, a reverse transpiration would be like, a, it's sort of having a vapor pressure surplus in the air that was pushing water. I mean, it doesn't sort of work like that water accumulates on the leaves and is then taken into the plant um, through um, stomata too sometimes. Yeah, through stomata yeah, through, too, also yeah. through just osmosis. Um, you know, I always think of this, uh, this uh, bacteria that uh, uh, I think it's, it's, it's a pseudomonas, I think, but anyways, like, and how it gets into plants is that it resides on the, on the surface of the leaves and it can secrete a compound. I forget the name of it, uh, but it, it triggers the stomata open. And then like through what we're describing here, like through just like moisture being on the leaves or through the vapor pressure deficit, like it, like it just like gets into the stomata and gets into the, yeah. um, the xylem channels. So like, you know, there you go. Like all of those defenses, all those chemical defenses and physical defenses doesn't matter. You know, or I had the key to that lock like the abiotic factors of, I don't know if the humidity or like a lot of times people would say like, oh, when the lights go out, you foliar feed half an hour, 15 minutes or an hour after lights off because that's when the stomata are most open. And I think there's that is, that humidity spike a... causing the abiotic effect of like the humidity going up causes the plant to say it needs to um, open up its stomata perhaps. How yeah, does that optic problematic foliar? at that time too because of the humidity situation. I mean, if you're spiking yeah. humidity into the dark period. How does that optic foliar product work? I'm not sure. I think it's really just a wetting agent. And they, if you use a wetting agent, it allows you to uh, spray with the lights on because when the stuff doesn't bead up, it doesn't get that um, magnification effect on the yeah. plant. Uh, yeah, I think there's some wetting agent will help in a foliar feeding situation anyways because it reduces the surface tension of the water and that makes it easier to coat the leaves with the water. It makes the, the it easier for the plant to uptake that water through the stomata. Um, but there's so, some... Optic foyer actually dissolves the yeah. layer on the, on the leaf itself to help the nutrients penetrate in. So it doesn't just slide okay, off. Okay, that's the, something else. Yeah. 
And we, we should I'm also consider with its mechanism. I'll say that. Yeah, I, I, I knew there was know. something more to it. They have it on their yeah. website. They, they've got Any it all on, on a, like a video, or not a video, but a, uh, a graphical, like like a like you're looking at a poster explaining it all. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's like pretty, a, pretty cool. Plants tend to have, um, you know, like a waxy cuticle too. So like when you do foliar feeding, and I sort of, this is our tangential, but like it's important to note that like, I guess that's part of the like, defenses of the plant but also if there's other factors like what we're talking about here like um you know the the sort of subtle dynamics of like water loss and gain and other sorts of small things like that and if you do if you do like apply like a, like a high ph uh solution or or even like some organic pesticide or, or even just a foliar feed you can really kind of change that up um and maybe not always like for what would be the better but it's very context dependent and kind of hard to track, but that's just one factor that's sort of ephemeral in the IPM and other parts of cultivation. I really like it for a little boost for nutrition um, and you can spray it with lights on. So it's a fast, it's a quick fat. I don't think it's organically approved. So this would be a synthetic situation, but it, uh, it's a fast way to get nutrition to the plant quickly. It's like a broad, like a, it's like a, it's not even a one, one, one. It's below one, 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 I believe the MPK on it. So it's pretty low on the uh, nutrient value. I'm curious how many of the panelists really do a lot of like feeding through foliar means rather than sort of IPM practices, but specifically trying to, to do foliar feeding. Brandon, I think I does, do. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you want to get something immediately to the plant, it's one way that you can do it. And yeah. a really good example of this is going to be magnesium. Yep. I, use, I use Epsom salt mag or magnesium sulfate. And it, the reason is because magnesium, if it's high in, it, it's very soluble. Uh, and so if it's really high in, uh, soil when it falls into solution it'll usually block out calcium and, and potassium so if you keep it a little bit low in soil um it'll help with the accumulation of the calcium and also potassium and uh you can just do foiler applications with uh the potassium and do you the, do that uh, into uh, flour though, Brandon? what's that do you do that into flowering or do you stop at some point? Yeah, I do it into flowering. Matthew, can you uh, enlighten us because you're our IPM specialist and you might know a little bit more about this, at least than myself. Uh, it says shift 3.9% ethophon, and it's showing the active ingredients. I'm on there. I pulled up the MSDS uh, material safety data sheet, and this is from the US EPA pesticide product label. Um, describing the product that's labeled ABN optic foliar. You're curious well, if I'm like familiar with the compound? It yeah, I don't know if this is something you've heard acid. of. It says pesticide um, at the top. So this is like a Washington State Environmental Protection Agency. Um, I was just curious if you'd ever heard of it or if this is something you're familiar with. It says the agency is in rear receipt of application of pesticide number. It might just be this product specifically, so it might not be something that you'd been familiar with i'm just curious i'm not super familiar with it to be honest but um a cursory google search brings up a fact sheet from the us epa that says it's a plant growth regulator um i don't know if that's like 
in the same context that we use it or, you know, how legal and other sorts of terms can be like official speak and all that, but it is epa.gov, this website. Um, for use on cucumber, squash, pumpkin, hybrid seed for inducing flowering. Oh, this is the switch product. I think actually this, they have multiple, so this might be, um, a different cause they have multiple. They had to change their name from switch to shift. I think there's something, some labeling issue. Oh, okay. But this might be a different product than just their. Yeah. That's uh, what, that was what used order. to be called switch. It used to be called switch, but now it's just called shift. I think. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, but this is, um, like I said, just straight off the EPA website, and it says for inducing flowering of ornamental plants, for reducing height of potted daffodils and stem topple, increasing lateral branching in ornamental. So it definitely sounds like a plant growth regulator. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And uh, so one of, the, one of the things about plant growth regulators, too, is that in food production and even in like a lot of uh, ornamental uh, crop productions they're they're not uh, legal to use i know one that's notable in the cannabis space that was used for a while it's called paclo uh paclobutanil yeah yeah paclobutanil it's um it's a carcinogen to my knowledge if it's smoked and ingested it's carcinogenic uh meaning cancer causing which is no bueno and i think there's also been like birth birth defects allegedly uh in correspondence to the consumption of products that have that. So I'm there with Brandon that some of the PGRs definitely might have uh, problematic side effects. I'm not familiar with the optic foliar one, but there are also like tricantinol that comes from like alfalfa is a plant growth reg regulator and it's natural. And kelp also, I believe has some plant growth, growth regulators in there. Tricantinol is one of them. And then there's also things like jabrillins. Um, Jasmonic. Yeah. There's some, uh, minor phytohormones that act as plant stimulants but i don't know if they're really in high enough quantity realistically to to i mean i haven't seen any type of data to to correlate like oh this has this thing and this is why it's happening like this is why my plants are so bushy as opposed to oh no i just really like prune my plants and like maintain them I don't know. Yeah. I wonder if, uh, can, can everybody hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay. We weren't sure. Next one. Hit it. All right. I think this one was the fritter. Yeah, this is the apple fritter. Good stuff, y'all. Sorry, I had to step away. My battery died over here. I'm actually just vaping. I should be uh, using some flour, but I'm not in a good spot to be doing that. Looks like and over there, Spartan Grown. I saw you talking a little bit earlier. I don't know if you've got anything uh, rolled up or you're smoking over there, but uh, what were you smoking on earlier? I haven't smoked in two days, bro. I've had, oh, okay. I've had a I'm chest tripping. cold. So yeah, I had a chest cold. So I've been just eating RSO instead. So I'm hoping yeah. not. It's really hard. I keep looking over at the bong and I want to hit it so bad right now, but I'm trying to be good. <laughs> RSO is great stuff. Uh, Aaron, the grower, makes some good RSO. He had some of the highest CBN in uh, his test results of any I've seen, actually, which yeah, is Aaron, uh, pretty cool. Uh, Aaron, Aaron hooked me up, man. What a good person, man, for sure. I remember that. And and I don't forget. <laughs> so. Well, you're all welcome, man. And, and if, you know, if anybody needs RSO, you could allegedly hit me up and um, allegedly let's work together. But um, Brandon did hook me up with this. 
um, from his company, Black Label Organics, this blue Romulan solventless activated live rosin RSO. Whoa. This- they call it like SHO sometimes, I think. Solventless yeah. oil. Yeah, full spectrum. So I figured I'd it's all solventless and organic. Put so. this in my mouth while I'm on air. All of it. <laughs> Get it. Dude, I saw somebody eat a gram. Uh, it was modern uh, modern genetics on fucking talking shit with Eagle. Dude is like, I've never taken RSO out before, so I'm just going to take the whole gram and fucking ate oh, it. Yeah, and right. he got real fucked up. He was partying with them, though. He, I was surprised. He stayed up much longer than I was expecting. Um, my partner's father-in-law took uh, a whole half gram of this stuff. and He was asleep for two days. <laughs> I take RSO daily, so. I mean, can you can you OD if you if you were to take the whole thing by accident? No, no you're not going to OD. You'll get a good nap. A cannabis overdose is a great sleep usually, or paranoia for some people. Yeah, I can eat a gram. Yeah, more so the uh, the latter of those two, I think, for some people. Could the paranoia is actually problematic because it creates hospitalizations. So if you have cannabis, yeah. no, it's not going to kill you. You're actually just having a panic attack, not a heart attack. So breathe, right. drink some water, and calm the fuck down because it's not going to kill you. It's never killed anybody ever. Uh, unless it was spiked to something else, which is usually what people start thinking about. That's why you should grow your own and get it from a good source. Um, most people will these days can do that, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really, yeah, typically you panic so much that your body is so worked out that you end up passing out because you, you've exasperated it for so long. All the cops. I'm to the point where I don't think I could get... Um, I mean, when I take RSO, I've taken a gram before. So about a half gram is about as high as I'm going to get. Anything I eat past a half a gram, it just extends that high, right? So if I if I ate the gram, I was scared. I was a little scared. I was like, man, I wonder what's gonna be if I if I take double what I'd normally take. I took it anyway just for the hell of it and just to see. And it just was the normal high just a little bit longer. Or not a little bit, a lot of bit longer. A lot longer, yeah. I was gonna say sometimes I've been high for over twenty four hours off high edible doses or big RSO doses. It can I'm with you, Spartan, where even with like uh, smoking, whether it's dabs or flour, I get to a point. And then if it's, I could smoke 10, 15 more bowls, I won't get any higher. I'll just stay high for a longer period of time, potentially. <laughs> and that's like even potentially with flour. Uh, dabs and stuff, like I'll get to that point. And then like the more you take, the longer it t- tends to last. Because those seem to be a little more short-lived for me. But I'm curious if anybody else has that experience with uh, concentrate being a little bit uh, shorter effect than a flour. I definitely noticed that. Uh, dabs are nice, but I don't know. I can keep dabbing to get higher and higher and then just get a headache. So if I get too high on dabs, I just get a headache and it goes away fast, way faster than even flour for me. It's just, it's probably the fastest thing that goes away that or distillate. Maybe those, both of those go pretty fast, go away fast. Yeah. Distillate's like straight up, straight down. (laughs) And like, if you don't, in my opinion, if you don't have terpenes after a while, if you're just like hitting a disty pen straight, like 99.9%, I've had those in the past, like when that was like kind of the hot thing and newer on the market. And like, I don't even think you can get any sort of effect after a while. You just become THC um, tolerant. <laughs> like it, it's so pure THC that you just get used to that effect. And like, you'll actually feel higher by like not using it in some instances than uh, continuing to puff on those things. And, and at least in my experience, but distillate's not a, something that I would recommend unless somebody had a very specific medical ailment for it. It helps glaucoma. So there's that. And uh, definitely some other things, but the American one, you've been quiet over there. What you uh, token on? I'm talking a little everything. I had some of the time wreck and some of that proprietary. But uh, I was going to say, yeah, I think the uh, concentrates, well, not water hash, but uh, dabs and stuff. It does seem like it's a lot more quicker, potent, like straight off, and it fades away quicker, usually. 
But, you know, I think, I bet you if people did more mature material, it would probably be a little longer lasting. That's maybe how the bubble hash or uh, temple ball tends to have the longer lasting effect because my hash, like bubble hash, tends to hit me as long or even longer than flour sometimes. And I'm wondering if maybe that's like something in the plant material, maybe the chlorophyll or like lipids or waxes or fats that aren't um, like squeezed out like when you press it to rosin. If it's age that you're considering, it's got to be something to do with CBN. At least a little bit. Uh, Frenchie's doing some really good testing right now where he tested a temple ball day one of when it was pressed and he's doing like one week, uh, two weeks, like a month, three months, five months, and he's going to see like what, how much hashishine is in there, how much of which terpenes are in there. It's kind of cool. They like go up and down and some change. It'd be like 2.2. It'll be like uh, half of like 0.5 of its pinene, and then there will be 0.0 pinene, and then like the next one, it'll be like 0.2 pinene. It's like really weird to see the same sample of hash getting different terpene results. But I chalked uh, that up to to the lab. I'm telling you. Yeah, that's, These, that's look funky. Uh, these the like labs they they can't be as consistent as people would like to think it's i don't think i don't think that it's possible I, you think I it's, mean, well what's the margin of error on their work dude, the no, margin of error uh, in my opinion is so big and there's incentive I, for the lab to to give frenchy cannoli the results he wants to see you know, they want to be the lab that Frenchie uses. I promise. I'm talking, I'm just talking about labs in general, man. Oh, yeah. Cause I see wild swings all over the board and it's like, dude, I'm, I do the exact same thing all the time. I have like, you know, just a data sheet that I'm looking at going, okay, it needs this, 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 you know, whatever. And I'm testing and you could all do the same exact variety going the same amount of time doing the same thing same conditions and you'll be like and you oh man it can be frustrating sometimes because it's like when you want to try and the to, lab is spitting out different results oh dude terpenes yeah. <coughs> there was like, a lab what the fuck? like dude i know this isn't the fucking terpene profile right, for right. this shit like there's a lab that got caught falsifying thc um in northern more than California. one and and they're actually still functioning believe it or not they they fired that guy and they're just like whatever we're just gonna keep going with the same equipment i mean they clean the equipment but like there's there's funky shit going on and everybody thinks this regulation stuff is good and in some cases it is but in some cases it just winds up with corruption Here's i think thing, it's right? time if you had if you had a, oh, like, you know, when you go to calibrate your scale, you have a 500 gram weight. That 500 gram weight never changes. It's always consistent, right? So you can go and take that and calibrate anybody's scale to that 500 grams. It doesn't exactly work with the equipment that they use. Like there's so much margin of error when they're doing all different types of samples, I mean, oh man, it's it's time for Brandon and Aaron and Aaron's lab. No, Brandon's <laughs> got the equipment. Shit. My question is, do you think it's really just nefarious, or is there a possibility that it's like it's dirty nefarious. lab equipment? It's both. 
it's a little bit standard. Also, yeah. it's a plant. It's a live plant. So even if you have the same temperature, same RH, yeah. same everything, same feed, the the moon cycle is different. The pressure, mm -hmm. you have high and low pressure fronts. You have different things like that that are changing that you're not documenting that do change from summer versus winter, whether you're in Oklahoma sure. or California. Sure, even multiple different. different summers, right? Like, but, I mean, but this guy's environment is so dialed in and controlled. And, you know, when he sees different, I don't know if you're talking about Oklahoma or California. Dude, my ankle oh, fucking oh, hurts oh. when there's a low pressure front. I'm not a high uh, expensive device, but my body can detect when there's high <laughs> and low pressure changes. You're right? expensive so the plants yes, you're can detect expensive. it too. If I feel it, I believe they can feel it. And that's going to make a difference potentially in the, so I, I just don't think it's like to say I did the same inputs each time, same temperature, same soil, all the lab testing. It might turn out different. The lab might have tested it perfectly, and they might have a different terpene profile because well, this run you can get got more expression. Do you think a drastic difference, though? I don't know. Potentially, or maybe the lab yeah, not well enough. Terpene profile, I dude, I see it all the fucking time. I see what, dude. But I, if terpenes I, are so, if terpenes I had are my so death volatile, doesn't that make sense that there would be? Spartan's got his hand up real quick. Let's let Spartan jump in here. Um, in my opinion, I think it's it's more logistics. So two, th two things. Um, one is what happens to it when it leaves your facility. For us, um, the person who tests it, we're just hoping that they've got the AC cranked and, you know what I mean, they're treating it right. But depending on who you have coming to do your test, they could give no fucks. They could go stop at a fucking go get fucking lunch for an hour and then fucking get back to the – so I think – the differences we're seeing more is the logistics of i really wish they allowed in-house testing you know what i mean obviously that's a Conflict i guess that there'd, there'd be probably people would not think that's independent so but, i mean do third-party verifications no, i certainly wouldn't uh, yeah i mean so i mean there has to be you know this ridiculousness of not letting us transport this like a regular commodity is stupid if they allowed us to bring you know our batch to them or something or if they pulled the samples at the um at the end user, you know, so if they pulled mm -hmm. it at where it was the point of sale, mm -hmm. that would be great because when we send our bulk shipments to the point of sale, that's in a refrigerated truck. So um, it, it's controlled, but these tests aren't in that, you know, the tests aren't, you know, in-house testing would be good for Brandon to know what his plants are doing. Like he doesn't have to trust somebody else. And then when he has to get it double tested by an independent party, he could, he could check their stuff too, as well. So that might, be helpful just so you really know like i don't know i don't know if you could make that point though i don't know if you i don't know if doing it yourself means that you know for sure right A man so, with two with two watches doesn't know what time it is after all this is this is the right. most frustrating thing though right because the end result for my data collection should be the tests and I should be getting accurate data just like I do get accurate data on my soil and my tissue testing and I need that to be able to say, hey, if I do this and I do this, what happens? But it's like, I, I don't know. I can't get a, even a consistent test right. from you, you won't, a, you the won't same know. lab on the same variety, you know, like to. Are you allowed to but, submit your own samples? Are you allowed to take a sample into the lab yourself and, and have it tested? You have to have a, I can. Like I can personally you get a trans deliver it. Transporter yeah. license, though. You have a transport license out here, which my partner has. Just to take it, just to take one nug, you have to have a transport license. Like I'm no, saying, no, no, but they won't test. Uh, they won't test home grow like they do in California. Like in California, I could go take weed 
that I grew at home and go get that shit tested. You can do that here too. That's why I was and, saying. And just, you can't do that here in Oklahoma. Um, you have to have a license. So it's something like that that I would attack. I would attack that dumb rule. Why the hell wouldn't you want to yeah. be able to test mm-hmm. your own? Because what I was to suggest is what we have done too in the past. If we thought a lab was giving us some funky results, we could take a. a if they really cared about health and safety, they would let home growers test their meds. But it's not mm-hmm. about health and safety. It's about again, and that's and that's why I don't fucking trust the results. I had a death breath test at twenty nine percent. Oh, that looks fucking great on paper, but I know that's not what it fucking is, dude. The shit usually tests around twenty, maybe twenty one percent. Right, that's what I was gonna say. If you don't know what's increasing the terpenes, or if you're not getting that uh, data, you won't know. Like, just for instance, like if you add just this is not true, but if you add magnesium, you know, Epsom salt, it'll increase the terpenes. But if the test you get in a bogus, you can't make any kind of judgments as to what inputs would help. Whatever, whatever. My question is: Is it possible that one top cola on a plant over on this side of the room? is 29% THC and one is 25 in a yeah. different part of the room or 20 or 21. That's, that's, that's sort of where I'm getting at it too. Like we're talking yeah, about yeah, such an, totally talking about such an ephemeral subject like terpenes and we already know that they volatize all the time. And then we're talking about research. This is why research is not, this is why research is not always reproducible, right? Like Everything this, that is we have typical, mentioned this is trivial. Is true. All yeah. of it is true. Yeah. There are labs that are nefarious. There are labs that are making accidental mistakes and there are guys paying off labs and there are, you know, it's all happening and there's accidents and then there's variation within the canopy, just like we've all, you know, I think it's all true. I'm curious what our guest has to say about this. Uh, Max, mm-hmm. are you in a place that has a legal market and uh, what is the test result scene like over there? Uh, do you believe in the testing? Do you see any validity behind it? And uh, how do you feel about this conversation? Well, uh, yeah, there is no testing here. Uh, technically, I wouldn't call it a legal market either. Um, I mean, I'm very close to Michigan and Illinois, just to put it on a map somewhere. But uh, I, I have nothing to do with testing. I mean, I just grow my own weed because I don't trust uh, to get, you know, medicine over here unless I'm going to drive, you know, five hours to Michigan. But uh, I mean, I have done that too, and I have. You know, I rather know who my grower is and know what they're doing instead of trying to trust. You know, even at in California or Michigan, trust some test results. Um, I mean, I still rather just go with homegrown, personally. Here, here, cheers to that shit. This is what this home uh, podcast is kind of all about. It's all of us learning how to grow our own at home and not really having to worry about the testing. Personally, I haven't gotten any of my fucking homegrown tested, and I know it all does the job at the end of the day. You know, it's good medicine. It's clean. I know what was put on it and what wasn't put on it. So I think a lot of people can hang their hat on that at the end of the day. It is cool to see the results, though, and it's an interesting conversation, at least for me, uh, having seen them for so long and watched them kind of change. Like mid-20s was really good for a while, then high-20s was really good, and then like 30% or, oh, you got a 30% THC. Now there's stuff in California that is testing over 40%. I saw the highest I've ever seen was 45% total cannabinoids, 42% THC. And I actually tried a sample of it and um, it wasn't the most potent stuff that I've ever tried. So I think that sometimes the, uh, whatever you um, look at on the test results doesn't necessarily show up on the smoke. So it's worth sampling the stuff uh, in spite of some of the high or even low test results in some occasions. So it's an interesting conversation. 
I'm curious, Brandon, um, you told me back a while ago that you guys had your own like HPLC or um, GC, like gas chromatograph or something like that at your thing. Is that still the case? Are you working with that guy with all the lab equipment still? No, we have a PCR machine and then we also have my mycology and bacterial incubators, but we have, they've never used them for anything over at the facility. Oh, okay. I see. There's a one thing that I wanted to bring up too about testing is most testing that's for legal markets destroys the sample. So like that bud that might've tested 29%, you're never going to get it back because they crushed it or burned it. Like HPLC, right. it burns it to give you the sample. It literally heats it up. So it destroys the sample. Then the HPLC, which is like a I think it's high pressure liquid chromatography. It literally runs it through a, a series of liquids that would make it unusable at the end. So you don't actually get to consume the product that was tested. So like if, like we talked about earlier, if it's possible for one bud to test different than another bud, which I think a lot of us can believe in, because if you smoked the top cola versus the bottom cola before, you'll notice some pretty obvious differences in those occasions. So um, testing is kind of all over the place. And the one that doesn't destroy it I don't know if it has the same accuracy. There's um, this little device where you put the bud in a thing and it like scans it and it's gotten more and more accurate. They test it comparing it with the HPLC and gas chromatograph as well. But um, it's getting like within 1% of the THC and CBD, but they can't test for terpenes on there. Um, I'm trying to think of the name. If anybody in the chat knows, let me know. Um, it's green and white. I can't think of the- uh, I've seen the a similar device and I am also blanking on the name too. I've seen it too. I've seen it in action. I actually tested some weed with it uh, at, I think it was like a cannabis. One commit. of the cups. Yeah. Maybe it was an emerald cup. Some people prefer their but, nose. The nose knows sometimes at go. least. And the PCR test is generally for sex testing, right? Rust? Uh, Brandon? Yeah. And it's also used in for, you know, uh, testing for viruses and testing DNA different. It's for replication. Oh yeah, that's right. It's a replicate. It's a yep, basically yep. It's a replication machine. Yeah. Replicates. Is it a PCR or a qPCR? Uh, that's not supposed to be a gotcha question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not sure. Actually, it's got 98 slots on it and it's got a little component. The guy has here. most of the answers. Yeah. 99%. I'm, you know, again, I'm not super familiar with uh, the, the the types of machinery. I'm not a geneticist. That's cool, though. It is pretty cool. I've seen some really cool kits that, that people can have, um, like, that are portable, and you could, like, take them out to the Amazon or something, do some on-site sequencing. I mean, as long as you have, like, the reagents and all that. Uh, the testing thing was called a gamma cert g-e-m-m-a-c-e-r-t and they're about two thousand dollars for the little device and um how does it another work? one uh it it actually scans the button i think that they used a um, smart like algorithm like uh, computer learning to take samples of buds that they had cross references of hplc and gas chromatograph so they'd say this looks like a bud that's 20 percent. i could be wrong on that uh, i know it goes in like you put it on like a toothpick basically and then it goes in this little thing that's got like a gold backing it slips down into a little device and then it gives you the readout like i said it's just cannabinoids uh thc and cbd adam from 2020 mendocino used it in his breeding project to test he had like five males and they were all pretty similar he wanted to pick between them and there was like 0.5 thc 0.5 thc uh, 0.7 THC and then one was like 5% THC 
So he's like, holy shit, this one's like way higher than all the rest of them. So I'm going to try that one. And he bred with it and he was really happy with that line. So it was a pretty cool usage of it in the field for uh, breeding. But I don't necessarily think that too many people um, would get as similarly good of a use. There's a grower that I like up in Canada, uh, Urban Remo of Remo Nutrients. He's got a pretty cool YouTube channel. I'm sure a lot of people here are already familiar with him. He has a, he used to have like testing Wednesday or something where he's got some device. It's like a home um, HPLC where they go through the liquids and like shake it up and it's a supposedly very accurate and they're coming out with terpenes on that soon. So it's cool to see other stuff like purple scientific. I've heard some questionable results of how accurate the testing can be, but definitely feel like we've beat the testing drum for quite a while. And that's probably mostly my fault as the host, but uh, I think we could uh, switch it up a little bit and talk about what we're growing. Max, uh, what do you got going on in your garden right now? Um, right now, actually, I have uh, a couple of Ophelia from the American one going, and I got uh, one New England rock candy from Kyle. And then I have uh, a couple of runts plants from Create Genetics and some other uh, slime god from Firebuds. Um, all of them are photo period, and I haven't seen any, uh, you know, any intersex traits yet so that's good i'm only in week four but uh i mean that, instead of you know testing and like me worrying about testing i i just try and get, go for uh good genetics pretty much um every time i get genetics from a friend and they say it's good i have never had to complain about it so you know i got genetics from just about everybody i got genetics from jack uh kyle the american one uh russ brandon now and I mean, that's just the stuff that stays in my garden. I listen to you guys every week and uh, I love your guys' uh, choices. So, your four weeks in veg or four weeks in flower? Oh, I'm four weeks in flower. Um, actually, tomorrow will be four weeks. Well, I miss growing the, the New England rock candy. How's that plant turning out for you? Uh, I actually I love that plant. Every time I've ran uh, the New England rock candy last time i ran the diesel rock candy i just get huge colas i mean i had one plant that had over a pound and a half you know of dry weight um the diesel rock candy in my four by four and yeah i mean it just grows like crazy it stacks really good and it's super frosty so i mean literally i've left that plant just in the back of my tent and it's it's just doing amazing i never really have to worry about it Cool. Yeah, mine was actually a little finicky, but it produced some of my favorite smoke. So I, uh, I didn't mind in the end. But yeah, growing it was it was a little bit more finicky than some other plants. I remember that. It sounds like yours is a little bit more cooperative. Yeah, no, I haven't had any problems. Um, and I mean, I'm using the cocoa for cannabis watering guide with uh, the flora nutrients, the oh, flora cool. series. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I go off, you know, what you guys say, and I have had no issues in my year and a half of growing, so. Cool. That's Happy awesome. to hear it, man. Yeah, I gotta be honest, like, so, like, uh, there is a small variable of phenos with the New England rock candy, but, like, at the end of the day, whatever cannabinoid profile, and yet, you would think that I would have, would have already sent something to the labs, it's... It, it's extremely beneficial to all smokers. And uh, I'm just like so happy that I have uh, the main mother. And like, even right now, like I have her 
and I had like an issue with uh, environmental uh, conditions with uh, in my own place. And like, she's just always still uh, praying no matter what I do. And uh, she's just a gift, man. So uh, I do have a bunch of crosses coming up with, uh, you know, Green Bodie, Brendan, uh, shout out to Brendan and, uh, you know, a couple of people. But uh, yeah, it's just such a good smoke, man. And uh, I need to come back with some, some, some profiles from her, but she's just a, a wicked good smoke, man. And a good crosser. She's, she's all around really good. One of the things that I like to make sure is that everything is like different when it comes to the flavors. So we can get a little bit of everything. Dude, everything that we've sparked up. Well, one of these was my flavor, but everything that we sparked up here has a completely unique flavor profile. It's unbelievable. That's the key. That's really what it's all about. Uh, Smiley's garden over in Michigan is, uh, has a similar little stable of like, he gave me some samples and, um, a lot of them are all just really distinct and unique, different, like from like a rascal berries to like an OG, you got like a really fruity to a really gassy to uh, like a cherry and a Tuscadero and some of the other stuff. And it's cool. Brandon, I can't wait to uh, get out to Oklahoma and try some of your stuff. When you were here, I think I just got to try the death breath, uh, Limerilla and Gorilla Glue, but they're all really fire for sure. And I'm still using all that stuff because <clears throat> it's just, I think we just, I think this is, is this death, death breath? breath? Yeah. That's what we're smoking on right now. That's some good shit. I think that's uh, some of Matthew's favorite, I think. That's right. I was going to comment exactly that because I'd like to do that. Every time you mention it, I like it quite a bit. Yeah, dude, it's really popular out here. Um, uh, we we are going to be uh, cultivating it continuously because it's in a really high demand. Everybody likes it, and it sells real well. So everything sells well though i told my partner that he's such a good salesman he should start a distribution company and we can go uh distribute organic cannabis all over the place hey brendan i got a question only because like you're definitely into it so i've been seeing some people that i have some relationships with that uh they've all been going to, to oklahoma i mean w- when it comes to getting a cultivation license do you need to be a resident of that state or can you yes. just have, you, you do? can you can be you a not resident and own 25 percent of a business so what what i ended up having to do sorry to steal this from you well, but, and how long how long do you need to be a resident in order to obtain that license and second question follow-up question do you have to domicile there yes yes you have to have proof of domicile and which it's means, which means what Two, two years. You have, to have an address. You live there. Or a bill. There, there's like a list of stuff to prove it, but um, it's two consecutive most recent years or five years in the last 25. It's weird, but that's how they do it. So I've been basically partnering up with a friend that I have out here and, you know, he's going to own 75% of the business. I'm going to teach him how to grow and um, he's so going to so, so Someone needs at least two years of a permanent address in Oklahoma, correct? To own, to own 75% of the business, yeah. You have to own 75% of the business as the resident. Am I saying that correctly? I think that makes sense. Yeah. So um, I will be, I will have two years in November this year. Rad. So so let's say I know someone that lives there that's been there for for their whole life. Can I contact them? And they're completely eligible, I would assume, obviously. Correct. Yes. And it's $2,500 unlimited canopy. Unlimited canopy. (laughs) (laughs) Cha-ching. (laughs) <laughs> right. 
Well, yeah. damn. All right. Well, yeah. It, I mean, you see us here, right? So. <clears throat> Look, I'll tell you what. It all the. I don't know. Why am I in Massachusetts right now? Everybody who's like, holy shit, like it caught on. But I'm so glad that I got here like previously because. Just got moving. Yeah. Land is expensive now. It's crazy. It's getting there. Yeah. I actually am going to look at some property uh, tomorrow afternoon. Yep. We'll see. So do you think there'll be a surplus of ganja in Oklahoma anytime soon or no? I think what'll happen is Oklahoma will be the first state to allow out of state exportation. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, we already have legislation set up to be the first. Basically, there's legislation in place. And it's not much, but, it's just basic language like when it happens, this is how it goes down. Right. But other states have to accept it too. Yeah, so I think Oregon is in in line to do some inter, interstate business. There's a couple states. Brendan, okay. Brendan, Brendan, and Aaron, I have a question. So let's say you're an outsider, which is what you probably don't want, but it's all love, and you want to get involved in that industry. Max, you're not on mute. Are you going to show off the uh, garden there? So uh, um, how do how do I let's say I want to come there and just like vibe with y'all and like have a have my own like a garden somewhere like do I have to find somebody that is a resident of that establishment in, in Oklahoma? Yes, yeah. set up like a operating agreement or a consulting agreement, something like that. And but, with, but, with, but with somebody that's lived there already, correct? Yeah, yeah, yep. Right. Like my okay. partner, you know, uh, he's lived in Oklahoma for. 10 years so they already had the land him and his brother because they planned on starting a cannabis business and it was just about putting together the right team which was me them and my old partner right good choice it's just all bootstrapped you know like most of it is out here don't get me wrong there's some people that came in with some investment money millions of dollars and like you know there's some big guys out there but i don't i don't necessarily think they're throwing down like like some of these smaller guys you know because these smaller mom and pop shops are pumping out way better quality weed than they can so i tell a story about that sure when we're done with this section well i have one last question so are you as as a facility are you banking on relying that you can find dispensaries that can produce i'm sorry that can sell the amazing product that you have is that basically how that works well i don't have a problem getting rid of the weed um right i I mean my partner whips everything hella quick but um i think what it really comes down (coughs) to is just making sure that you have a good quality product and that um you know you got a a proper team in place you got to be willing to pound the pavement when it comes to sales just like any good salesman right there's people that slang phones right and there's some people that suck at it and there's some people that are fucking great at it right just like slanging weed you know like some people are good at slanging weed it's just your part if you're a people person and you have personality and you can vibe with anybody and you know yeah you're in (laughs) i get it good weed sells itself too not gonna bullshit there i mean i've never seen good weed have a hard time moving well yeah if you're personable and you have good shit it's going to go. So speaking of people who aren't like maybe doing things for all the right reasons or that sort of a thing. um, I had a friend who told me a story of a group um, up in like central California 
that uh, basically they, they planted like four or maybe three months ago. And uh, they basically, they had, they had everything in like a greenhouse in like the hot desert running on generators. And uh, they thought they'd have plants uh, like flowering like, like in August or something. And uh, some and anyways, I might be getting the the times mixed up, but there was no possible way. I think I told the part of the story already. There's no possible way, way they're going to hit this deadline. Uh, and all their generators failed, and now they're scrambling to do something about it while everything just dies. And it's just like I see that, and I see that so often. And I'm I'm sure plenty of people in the chat and plenty of people here on the panel have at least heard of many situations like this. And it's just poor planning on the part of people getting into it. And yeah. the people who really care and are passionate, I mean, sure, it's not the only prerequisite, but you do tend to run into less of that sort of thing, I feel like. At least I, I can tell when I'm working with people. I was just, I was just up in LA, actually. Um, and, uh, you know, I was working with these people. They had great security measures. I could tell because when I pulled in, uh, they had a guy come out like, 30 seconds later being like, Hey, can I help you? And it just showed me that they had people who were on top of it. Of course, that's not cultivation per se, but um, that also bled through into their uh, SOPs for IPM and that kind of a thing. So I just want to say, uh, Brandon and uh, Aaron, it's not surprising to me um, that you're killing it because I guess you could say I'm, I'm impressed, but not surprised. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of a story where, uh, to somebody a farmer was doing hemp and he killed it he had tons and tons of really good plants but he never planned for the harvest and i guess someone talked him into using a combine and just like bundling up wet and it all just turned into shit and the other yeah, guy like offed himself so planning is yeah you I gotta know a compost company like a hemp based right company. I don't know how much material he had, but yeah, that's like sad part of reality. And when I was going to say, when people put millions and millions of dollars into something and it doesn't turn out right, it's different than, you know, renovating your basement or something, something like that, you know? So there's a lot of factors involved and yeah, when you get too big, I think that's when things can go wrong too. Even yeah, if you're not millions of dollars in, if it's your life savings, Mm -hmm. If it's everything you've ever worked yeah, for, yeah. you're expecting. Not only that, like you have this um, sort of falsehood that this green rush is going to supply everything you've ever needed. You've got people hyping you up that got you to invest all that money saying, you're going to yield this amount. CBD is selling for this much a pound. We're going to extract it. We're going to sell it as salves, bombs, this and that. It's the next hottest fucking thing since sliced bread. So you're hyped as fuck all season long, watching it grow. Everything's going great. And then, like you said, you get some guy to come combine harvest it bail it up. They might've even still thought, Oh, this is all going to go good. And until they cut into it and found that it was rotten, they, that the whole entire experience leading up to that, they thought everything was going to go good. And then just to find out at that last moment, it's uh, really tough farming in general, actually has unfortunately a high uh, rate of people taking their own lives, uh, whether it's soybean farming or corn. Or, the military. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's extremely high. And the average age of a farmer is like, I want to say like between 53 and 63. So um, there's not enough people getting into it. I think the new wave of, of cannabis coming around, teaching people to grow their own food is so pivotal and important because it's inevitably going to get people to start farming, not just hemp, but also other food more uh, regeneratively. So I think we're very 
lucky to have cannabis for all the positive impact it's making in Oklahoma and elsewhere. Yeah, so kill it, you guys, while you can. Well, all those extrinsic factors aren't creeping up to change things around. Aaron Hopefully. is getting his uh, his property set up. So yeah, he's, he he he's going to be out here for a week and a half or so, and then he's got to go back to California and laying all the uh, electrical infrastructure while I'm out here. I got 600 amp service, so. I see you got a generator. Is that a generator? Yeah, I saw that on Instagram. That's not a generator. That's a transformer. That's a 600 Uh, amp transformer. So that brings power to my property and it will, I'll, I'll wire three 200 amp panels. So if you know anything about like your house might have like a 60 amp service or maybe 150 amp service, but I'm, I'm going to have 600 amps. So I'll be able to like have a lot of flexibility with my power so my first thing I'm going to do is set up an indoor grow. And I got, that's, that's like what the point of this trip is to set up the power for that. And then I have a crop in California. I should be able to move out here by next year. Very cool. Thanks, Matt. Still got to go boar hunting though. Dude, come get them there. My buddy was telling me they were driving down the road and there was like, it was like walking dead. There were so many in the street. They couldn't even get it through. They had to like not drive down that road. I got to take you on those helicopter rides where they hunt boar from the, from the helicopter. That is so. You do. One of my bucket. That's one of my bucket. Oh, really? <laughs> I think that's that. a, oh, okay. Let's do that. I thought you were being, um, so I, you know, my, uh, my father actually asked me recently that we should go uh, shooting more often. And uh, for those who know in California, that's a little bit more difficult to do for a bunch of other reasons. So you are always welcome, Matt, you and your father. We got to (laughs) go. Oh yeah. I saw coyote prints on my uh, property actually. So definitely got to have a rifle and, uh, and a shotgun. I was going to say shotgun. I was just looking, I watch a YouTube channel that has a whole bunch of different 12 gauge shotgun slugs. I can't pronounce the name of it because it's ridiculously named, but uh, it's cool to see all the different stuff. We're getting pretty far out into left field, though. Sure, um, sure. It's uh, interesting yeah, stuff. Sure. I'm about to buy a 30 out six. <laughs> there you go, man. I know people that are turning their stimulus checks into firearms, which is a pretty interesting way to. As long as you, as long as you don't have a felony in New Hampshire, if you wa- if you walk in, I'm, I'm sorry to go off topic, but if you walk in and you have a felony, you can buy anything you want and walk out and then go home. It's an amazing place to live. Live free or die. <laughs> live free or die. That's Amen, the best bro. motto ever. Hell yeah. New Hampshire, that's the New Hampshire motto, man. That's where I'm from. That's what's up. Followed closely by don't tread on me. Right. Yeah, I love that too. Yeah. But literally, you can, like Brennan, you can, or any of y'all, you can walk in with some cash. Uh, yeah, I want the AR-15. As long as you don't have a, well, depending on if you have a felony or not, you can just walk out in 10 minutes and just leave and go home. That's Good. It. Good. But getting back on the uh, grow topic, I'm curious to hear what uh, Spartan Growing is growing over there. Oh, man. Let me see. I've got in flower right now. I have one of your velvet punches, the number uh, one female that I saved. Well, I didn't. That's the last one of them. I'm going to. I've got more seeds of that, so I might uh, revisit it. But uh, I still got the number one going in there. And that's close to harvest, probably about a week or so. And then in my uh, I've got three of the cross that i made which was i'm calling bliss bud right now it's going to probably be a 
ongoing lifelong project. It's just um, my plan for that is I'm just trying to make uplifting, really uplifting happy weed. So every time I run across that and I get a mail when I'm growing other stuff, I'll smash it into that and just keep keep bringing the uplifting. I'm just I don't even care about the terps. I just want the high. I'm concentrating on the high on that one. So I've got three phenos of that. And that right now is just sour diesel times a pineapple tie cross. What was the other thing? Pineapple tie crossed with sour strawberry. So one side is pineapple tie, sour strawberry. The other side is sour D. And then um, I have a, uh, a Spartan glue going in there too. And then outside I've got a an auto flower from 2020 Mendocino that hasn't been released yet, but it's they use my snow cane to make it and they call it sparkle face i think is the name they called it uh, so i have one of those outside and i have one of those inside going to see what that's about and then probably this week i'll be popping some of brandon's gear i have the mac 2 crossed with the uh, uh lime uh, the limerilla i believe and then uh, i also have some snow cane version 2 from 2020 that i'm going to probably pop one of those because they're feminized my plan with those is just to pop one of those and run them against my snow cane cut that I, that I keep from the version ones and uh, just keep popping, go through that whole pack and see if I can find one better than my, my cut. And if I can, I'll replace it. I, sent you, I think I sent you uh Limerilla times Mac V2. Yeah. So you guys were just smoking on before that last death breath joint, you were smoking on yeah. the cross. Uh, we're saying that um, it's like Jack. We, yeah. There's some there's some really interesting stuff in there. There's there's one that like there you'll either get like limerilla terps with like this weird type of basil-y uh, smell in it, and then there's the one that's like kind of more like the jack a little bit. Spartan, I had to ask um, on the velvet punch because you're one of my testers and this is your second time running a Fino that you uh, felt worthy enough to run twice. So did you notice any changes from the first run to the second run as far as like the aroma or stretch or any of those different quality factors? No, I think it ran, it's run pretty much exactly the same as the, as the first time. Uh, and the one thing I'll say on this Fino and what made it stand out from the other Finos is this one was just way frostier. And it, it was the one that I kept calling the cookie the cookie, the one that remind me of cookies because it was smaller nugs, but it just so frosty. And it was the one that was out of all of them was the most showed the most purple in the actual flower itself. Um, so bag appeals up there too, you know, obviously with the frost and a little bit of purpling. And then uh, it was actually one of the, what out of my, like if I were to just pick the, out of the ones that I smoked, like on terpenes alone, it wasn't my favorite, but it was everybody else's favorite in terpenes alone. So I just went with the majority on that one. Yeah, it's an interesting one because oftentimes the flower is a mix of purple and green, but the leaves are really deep purple that they'll fade. And sometimes the buds will actually be mostly green with just a little bit of purple, depending on the pheno. And yeah, um, some of them are some are so frosty. I mean, like ridiculous. I think it's that purple punch mother. It just throws tons of frost in some of the phenos, and those cookie phenos can... Uh, yield tons of dry sift um like when i ran the trim from that across the trim bin it was just ridiculous how little material created so much like it was just yeah. insanely right. frosty 
then after that, I've got uh, actually still sitting right here on my desk. So I didn't want to put them away. I got some predicated breeding to go through too. So I got a big stash of stuff ahead of me. Try to try to end it. It's always fun popping new seeds. That's why I like to pop something new every single run. I got some of the American ones, Amy Aces right now, and uh, Donnie Berger going side by side. They're just kind of mid-veg, I'd say, getting ready to go into the flower tent here soon. So exciting times. Hey, Jack, what's the, uh, what is the Donnie Berger cross? It's, a, it's got two GMOs, but uh, to tell oh. a little bit of the backstory, it's um, a Larry OG F8 male that was made by Skunk House Genetics. And he actually is the guy who found the GMO cut. That cut that goes around that everybody calls GMO is known as garlic cookies from Mamico seeds. He popped garlic cookies from Mamico seeds, which is like a form cut Girl Scout cookie to ChemD, I think. And he found the GMO, Fino, that one that runs like 78 to like 83 days. It is ridiculously long flowering, but has a pretty, uh, a lot of people really like it for uh, resin, for flower. It's just got a distinct aroma. It's potent, tests really, really high. Um, a lot of people know about the GMO. <clears throat> Doesn't stand for garlic, mushroom, onion for anybody who's out there who's curious. It was more the Girl Scout cookies back in the day were getting accused of using GMO like in their actual Girl Scout cookies yeah. and the plant kind of grew like it had GMOs. So it always trips me up. Every time somebody mentions those train, I think of genetically modified organisms and like genes and <laughs> right. stuff like me that. Too. I mean it's like yeah, I don't know. People be like, oh, name. I love that GMO. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you said you didn't. It's technically garlic cookies. <laughs> so it uh but yeah, the strain I, and that's funny. That is ironic, like... Matthew, because a lot of people do say I love GMO, but they're and uh, <laughs> if you talk to many other times, they're like, GMO is the worst thing for the world and the environment, and then they just go yeah, off. Yeah, well, it. typically around agriculture or horticulture in general, GMO stands for genetically modified organisms. So, 100 percent right? Yeah, and, and right, that's what yeah, they're I got, mocking. I got that GMO by Rupia from Minji, and I mean I, I did a stem rub yesterday and it, it smells like a it's a terpene profile I've never smelled before. It's like extremely weird. I'm curious um, you know, hold on. Let me let me dive on this just for a second because is it just desensitizing us? That's what I've worried about. That it's making cannabis smokers sort of like immune to the GMO, and then later when we actually have like genetically modified cannabis, and it has to come with like a label <laughs> that says GMO, everybody's gonna just think it was crossed with GMO. <laughs> that could be honestly like a, a little bit of a negative. Uh, application of it but it was more if you look into like the story it was them making light and making fun of girl scout cookies for getting in trouble for that and the plant grew so ridiculously that it kind of almost looked like it could be a gmo plant because it's so fucking huge and yeah and yeah no, crazy. i get it i get it but these, I, these I agree it's not i think a, about one high you know it's like green crack and a lot of the other ak-47 problematic names in the cannabis community i don't love them and support it because technically it's like people's medicine so if you're like oh yeah green crack is like my best medicine like imagine that imagine that's the only thing that helps somebody and they have to say like hey i want green like, crack <laughs> oh dude green Girl crack Scout that's crack the only one was one of my favorites so yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I get it like, those I'm, names are i'm crossing, awesome. I'm crossing <laughs> all my nails to gmo but to the answer kyle's initial question donnie Berger is uh that's guy skunk house he bred larry og to f8 which basically means he took the larry og cut crossed it to something else and then back crossed it or filial generation crossed it up to f8 to get what he considered an og male like a male OG that he could breed with. Cause for those who don't know, OG Kush is a clone only, so you don't have a male from it. So he basically made one, crossed that to the GMO cut, which he was already known for having and had in his stable. And that's called Han Solo Burger. So GMO crossed the Larry OG F8 male is Han Solo Burger. Then he took that and crossed it back to GMO, which would be called a GMO back cross. 
or what he calls the Donnie Burger. That's what I'm growing right now. I bought a pack of those seeds from Skunk House Genetics. So it's GMO cross to GMO cross to Lario GF8. If you put it all in there, I'm waiting on I'm waiting on a couple of a uh, couple of things from um, from that breeder too. I'm just getting it through uh, James Bean. So he owns seeds here now. Whenever he's around in town, I always hit him up and shoot the shit with him and see what kind of seeds he's got. He's a good dude like to be plugged in with. Seems like both Skunk House and Bloom Seed Co. are really hot right now. Like that, those two strains, stuff sells out so fast. Bloom is a uh, formerly was called Oni Seeds, and uh, Bloom is known for their hash producing varieties. If you look at their um, logo, it's actually like a basically Bloom's a seedling, two little Oni, leaves, and Oni is a different person. He, they used to work together. Oni so and Harry Palms is a Bloom Seed Company, and Oni I know. Is a different company. Harry yeah. used to work with Oni back in the day. That was, they, but they weren't the same. Harry, right, 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 right. Harry Palms became like that was the brand, and then it became Bloom Cinco. But I followed them since when they were buddy buddy back in the day. I think that they might not be on good terms anymore, but they definitely <laughs> uh, used to work together. I just care about the good shit. I don't really get into people's drama. <laughs> I, I just like the good strains. And like, I know I see people killing it with some of their like peach rings yeah. and different crosses from Bloom. So shout out to Bloom Seed Co. I haven't run any of their stuff yet, but everything I've seen grown. And a lot of, like I said, the big hash producers out here in California, he is uh, very popular among a lot of the people growing for Solventless. We're currently... We're currently growing sour banana cookie at one facility. And then another, we're actually growing the uh, biscotti cream. And then we, that biscotti cream male is getting pollinating everything in there. Death breath, I think F1 Royal, I think uh, SFVOG. The fronts. I'm going to go over to Mean Gene from Mendocino's page because uh, Kyle was just talking about the GMO cross to root beer. And I think it was last week or maybe two weeks ago, we talked about the root beer and I was saying I didn't know what it was. I went and copied and pasted uh, a lot of the article text from Mean Gene's post, but I'm going to bring it up here and screen share it so that the people can get an idea of what root beer was because I wasn't aware of what it is. And I'm sure a lot of others out there are curious. So I'll be back in just a sec. It's, I can't remember either, but he had a little graph, I think, before one of the seed banks, like, made a little thing that said what it was. Like a bracket. Sorry, I'm moving slower than I anticipated over here. He just posts a lot. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Found the post. Here we go. All right. Share screen. Share. Boom. We'll make it full screen. And then I'm going to have to zoom in. Okay. So originally made by breeding headband mother with Hollywood pure Kush and then cross the Hollywood Pure Kush 
to a Hindu and a black Afi. And he goes on to describe a little bit about him. So I'll just read off the first few sentences. He says the headband clone was similar to Sour Diesel, but with added funk and potency. Hollywood Pure Kush is an older OG Kush type clone with great flavor and power. The Hindu clone is an old plant from Mendocino County with a similar profile to Bubba Kush. The black Afi in this cross is believed to be an old pure Afghani from Spy Rock. It has beautiful colors and strong flavor that translates well to the flavor when smoked and has a big influence on the flavor of the root here. She's a fast growing plant that stretches quite a bit during the flowering period that leaves, uh, the leaves often change near harvest time and take on a color similar to the actual root beer. The reason I wanted to read that is I was talking about why the hell is it named root beer? Like is it a root beer flavor? And that is to my knowledge and what he posted on his own page, uh, the origin story there of the name is based on the leaf color, but they go on to describe with some added purple and sometimes nearly black when grown indoors. Outdoors, they tend to stay greener. Buds grow neatly spaced on the long narrow branches ending in fairly short cola. Um, da, 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 da. They go on to talk about how it kind of tastes like creamy and something like that. Let's see. That that one was, is literally some weird uh, acidic soda root beer though. It says unburned root beer has a mild fruity flavor with hints of kush, sassafras, and cola soda. When burned, root beer has a rich, smooth flavor with hints of roots, tonic, chocolate, coffee, vanilla, cola, sassafras, and root beer without the wintergreen, all in subtle amounts with dominant flavor being thick, hashy, and earthy. No, wintergreen, zero out of ten, unsmokable. No, it said without wintergreen. That's what yeah, I said. That, that would be weird, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> oh, so you're looking for the minty stuff because uh, that was the, that was the joke. Yeah, because you need that for the, the root beer. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, th that cut, that cut that they gave me, I've been doing a stem roll because it's obviously not in flower because they. Uh, so to be completely honest, uh, they sent it in clone form and they sent it in pure dark. So obviously, in. Uh, as a grower, you got to assume like this clone had three days of darkness via mail. So it thinks it's supposed to be in flower. So it had to, it not only was like com completely confused, but also had to come back to uh, fruition being like, oh, hey, no, like I'm back in veg. So this it, is why you need to be using plant packers. Step up and get a plant packer. I was just about to say right. that shit. They need right. to step so, it up. So I'm not going to talk shit because uh, I love me and Gene. I also love Skunk Tech, but uh, whatever. It came back, it came normal. And uh, so I'm, it, 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 and it's brought back to health, but at the same time, like, so I've done a stab rub recently and like the smell is so unique. It's like the soda pop with garlic, with root beer. And uh, it's still extremely small and it's in clone form. I'm extremely just uh, excited to see like what comes from that. Uh, just, uh, but dude, yeah, this Kyle Cushman always tells the story of when he got a strawberry cough clone, it was only six inches tall and in a brown paper bag, but it stank like strawberry already. And when I grew his cross of, it was Subcool's cross actually, uh, strawberry daiquiri it was jack the ripper crossed with uh kyle cushman strawberry cough and it smelled from early veg like real strawberries like and all the way through flower it tasted like strawberry and it had a great aroma and it went along with the flavor so i definitely think sometimes even in veg you can get some of these aromas that stick through so maybe you got something special there especially skunk tech he for those who don't know uh, different guy than Skunk House Genetics. He's worked with Josie Wales in the past. He made the Gorilla Glue for IBL um, and a bunch of different GG4 crosses with Josie's that. permission. Yeah, Skunk Tech is a good good dude. Does a lot of good work, in my opinion. 
Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, I've spoken to him a lot in the last uh, couple of months, and he's extremely a good person. Oh fuck, sure. I'm tripping. I'm I'm confusing him with Mycotech. I just fucked up. <laughs> Mycotech is the one who. Well, he's still a good person. <laughs> <laughs> They're both yeah, good. Yeah. Skunk Tech is badass too. I, I just um, yeah. the tech at the end fucked me up. Mycotech is the one who made the GG4 IBL. Sorry for the confusion. We're live. We're doing it live. Sometimes uh, the Wikipedia of <laughs> cannabis is incorrect. I just That's wanted true. to kind of inform you guys too. I, I I haven't mentioned it to anybody, but I got the okay to. Uh, I, so you know that there was a huge legal battle with um, Gorilla Glue strains, and that battle has unfortunately been lost. And so, a corporate attorney owns that company. Cat's uh, going to be starting something different. Um, so yeah, just a heads up, and uh, those people are going to be going after anybody using the Gorilla Glue name. What about GG4? Yeah, they're going to be trying to go after people. Um, so they own GG4, GG5, Gluchi, um, Original Glue, which is formerly known I mean, who, as. I mean, like, who literally has the time to invest to to all these home? What is it? Growers or facilities or who? They, they license probably only go out. after things that make sense economically to go after. Right, yeah, of so course. Like but Canada you- has a lot of people doing GG4 in legal markets, so they can go and say, hey, you guys have not licensed this from us. We have a certain number of licensed people growing it. If you're going to call it that, you have to pay us our licensing fee. It must be lucrative for them enough to find a group that's willing to attack these people. That's, that's so it weird. Is. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the biggest strains on the planet, and they've got the intellectual property rights to it. Because a dead man fucking withstood the wrath of Gorilla Glue, he he came on this show. If you want to go listen to it on Stitcher Podcast, Josie Wales, the guy who fucking made Gorilla Glue, came on the show and talked to all of us. And he told us about how he thought it was a bullshit letter. He didn't even think that he was big enough to get the attention of Gorilla Glue. So when they sent him a cease and desist and said, stop using the name Gorilla Glue, he just ignored it. The second time around, he was in actual legal trouble because he kept yeah. on doing it. And there, so, is, there is a silver lining, and that is GG Strains, which is another Oklahoma, formerly from Hawaii. Um, that's Gray School. He's another friend of mine. He's out here. Um, and there's going to be some continued work, but it's going to be under a um, obviously a different company name. That's the way to do it, man. I think um, the people that care will follow the new one and know. For those who don't know, Grayskull gave Josie the genetics on the forums back in the day. Josie, no one was giving him any respect or love. And Grayskull said, hey, man, I'll share some of my stuff with you. And he sent it over to him. And that's how the Gorilla Glue came to be. It wouldn't have not ever been created if it weren't for Grayskull making that opportunity happen. So. Fried Piper in the chat says they should call it chimpanzee adhesive. And I kind of have to agree with that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's hey, a good one. Nothing you can do about that. Sticky. Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People will know. People will know, yeah. you know, if it's without having to use the the name. Right. You know? Turpogs is under attack right now from Skittles. Skittles, the <laughs> brand that owns them, is coming after Turpogs for the use of the word Skittles, even with the Z. Guess what? The Z is not going to do it when you're copying their colors and their <laughs> yeah. shapes and their logos. <laughs> the really Wonka. Yeah. They even copied their fucking saying. They even oh say Taste the Rainbow. I mean, you're I don't understand. A registered yeah. trademark. Yeah. I don't know. Am I, am I wrong? 
Tell me if I'm wrong, because I'm no. I'm okay I'm with being wrong. I'm totally I'm totally okay with them doing all that stuff because I think it's hilarious and it's like who whatever dude who gives a shit just, but it's but these people are just assholes shit on them like it's definitely gonna rain well, you gotta remember though guys corporate guys are assholes of course they are but you know but these other these little guys I mean not the little guys but the guys that have built their brand around their other people's things they're they're yeah. gonna shit rain on them. Yeah, let's let Spartan jump in and then um let's give Doc a chance. Name changes and shit. And yeah, we should be civil. Spartan, and, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, you know, you have to think of the other side of it. I mean, if if somebody was wanting to represent themselves as Brandon Rust that wasn't Brandon Rust, you'd want to go after him. You'd want them to stop because I agree. Gonna, I agree with that. They're going to be shitting all of your name. You know what I mean? Hey, if they were out there like building wells in like third world countries and shit, I'd be like, go ahead and use my name. Yeah, but that's not what they're doing. <laughs> what if they're selling well, weeds? With with I use your name, bro. They're, they're selling mean, shitty ass weeds. Yeah, I do think it's a little short sighted. Hey, I'll tell you this. I don't like it when people use my name. I don't like it when people use my name in pictures to make IG trap pages. Yeah, and that well, happens too. But yeah, but you're looking at direct competitors. And last time I checked, cannabis and candy are what we would call complementary products, not synergistic even. Um, and you know what? Doc, with that being said, you're looking at a, a child-friendly market with candy. Yeah, they did it with the Marlboro man. So why yeah. not do it here? Uh, dude, I probably eat more candy than any child that I know. Yeah. I mean, I'll be sitting here with a bag of Skittles right now. <laughs> dude, I mean, I'm telling you, candy isn't just like, oh, candy's for kids. Because I know, but that's I, who's I don't let my kid have candy. Often. It's often yeah, I understand the company's desire to maintain their brand image. I mean, that's what companies do, and that company has a multi-million-dollar ad budget family friendly budget. Brenda's house has the most Halloween candy. <laughs> the other thing it just that, seems that their advertising in, in particular <laughs> kind of goes along with the the being high. That's all. Sure. Yeah, no, just, people are just gonna like taste like, the rainbow. I'm sorry, but you know, <laughs> right. You got to be high as My opinion, my opinion is these well, companies should be using the extra publicity. Like Skittles could be like. Um, you know, showing somebody with red eyes and and looking at the clocks, and it's like four thirty or four twenty seven. Like, pick up the skittles and like, oh, <laughs> it's, so it's good. like gorilla glue. I mean, gorilla yeah, glue no, like, that's that's oh, clever. I like that. Uh, like legally, you know, legally, legally, they got to. I would have it's to so sticky. It's stickier than the gorilla glue buds. <laughs> I would like team up. I'd be like, yo, you know yeah. what? Why don't we get? Why don't Collab. we license? Yeah, you know, <laughs> let's all make some money here. I mean, I don't know. I just it's funny. I think the whole marketing thing for cannabis and the way that it has to kind of be done nowadays is kind of ridiculous because it was usually just the homies coming over right, and right. going, "Dude, that's your fire. Let me get some of that." But yeah. Now it's like walk down the candy candy, candy section. Shit, like, pick at something in the grocery store and say we're going to call it this and whatever candy or dessert section max i was curious uh, as our guest this week what are your thoughts on all of these uh strains being named after whether it's like super mario brothers back with uh matt rise had the hash brothers where he was using mario and luigi in the logo he got in trouble with uh, nintendo then we had gorilla glue 4 <laughs> getting in trouble with actual Gorilla Glue. Now we're seeing Skittles get in trouble. Girl Scout cookies actually went after dispensaries and the brand cookies now um, for using the name Girl Scout cookies. It's called GSC now. So I'm curious, Max, what are your thoughts on uh, these names and uh, this convention? I honestly, uh, I kind of think it's crazy that 
you know, they don't even want to recognize the cannabis community as illegal or, um, you know, that you're even supposed to be doing it, but they want to sue people growing pot for a name that they chose to call their cannabis. I don't know. I, I just feel like uh, it's kind of dumb. It's just all about people trying to get money that they think they deserve. And I mean, until we're recognized as a federally legal, you know, thing to do or, you know, people grow weed or sell it. Like, I don't see how they should be able to come at, you know, these little guys like, you know, the guy, that, uh, Josie Will, that made GG4. I don't understand how they can just go after you know, an individual who popped a bunch of seeds and found a keeper and called it something. I don't know. I just, I don't think it's right. I'm really super honestly confused about like our legal system or justice system and our like constitution. Cause like I always was under the assumption that, you know, there really had to be a crime, you know, a victim <laughs> for a crime to be commit. And it's like, that's just not how it is. And I don't, and but just, Brandon, they would argue in this case, Gorilla Glue is the victim. You are def- you're making no, 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 no. I'm just talking guys, about I'm talking about like cultivate cultivating uh, anything like like just how could you like, like a war against how a plant? How can there be a law? How is smoking against- weed or growing weed hurting anybody? Is what he's saying. And and you know to be a crime, I agree. yeah, I agree. And so that. how can they how can they chop us back in but, that regard? And then also. Corporate companies can. It's not up. about the crime. It's about the fucking money. I hate to say it. The the oh, laws. Know, are, everything's written yeah. to make the people that are wealthy. They want to protect their wealth. So they but get I these politicians able, that will protect want their interests. I just my protected to just be able to have those like rights. Like instead of having all these statutories or cities say, "Hey, you can do this or you can do that," and it's like, dude, why don't you fucking mind your own business? And right. let me. Do, I'm not hurting anybody. I mean, but, I want to go back and live in 1850, yo, oh, man. but with power, but with modern day technology. I can build a generator. We got this. Well, you know, I mean, I started saying it before, and I guess I'll say it here. Like, they legally are obligated to, like, I, okay, so, like, I tell the story about um, the entomologist uh, Alex Wild all the time. He's a photographer, too. Very good at what he does. Um, he had to at some point because he was so prolific and his pictures were being copied on the internet and going everywhere even like big companies were using it he basically had to like stop a like a big portion of what he was doing and hire people who would like literally just that was their whole job is to go after people who like like the ones who are like really screwing with taking his um intellectual property mm-hmm. and you know i have complicated opinions about that myself personally i think that you know, I disagree with a lot of copyright law and trademark law and things like that. But like in the system that they exist in, they have to protect their brand. If they do not, they lose it. They lose parts of those rights. And I don't understand all of the various like intricacies. Yeah. But like well, you have to defend your your patents or your trademarks, otherwise they'll lose their their you lose your claim. Bruce Buffer is the perfect example. Yeah. The guy who says, "Let's you, get can I ready. say something about the GG strings thing? I mean, yeah, they're on yeah. both sides of this. So on the one hand, Gorilla Glue, the glue manufacturers, suing them because they don't want the cannabis company to profit off of their branding. No, 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 no. This is a different legislation. They finished all of that stuff. Right. We're talking about after his death and where, who owns the actual company. 
Okay, but it's just oh. the same thing that w is the, their model is to also license the strains. And if you use that brand without paying for the license, they would also sue you. I mean, that's just, it, it's a brand that was valuable. And, and, you know, I mean, it always struck me as weird that you would complain about one side of that and not realize that you're doing the same thing on the other side. Mm -hmm. I think he kind of earned the um, keep because he went through the legal battle. Like Cookies now has the Cookies brand and everybody knows them, even though they might call it GSC and like Cookies and other variants of Cookies got popular. Uh, with the Gorilla Glue, <clears throat> Josie got sued, lost money, had to settle, I'd imagine, out of court. And he came up with the re resolution that they could no longer call it Gorilla Glue 4. They could call it Original Glue and they could say like for a year. Uh, formerly known as FKA, formerly known as Gorilla Glue, now Original Glue or GG4. And because he went through that process and like he didn't know going in, like most people don't know going in, um, they should, they should probably look into it. Like, oh, if I use somebody else's brand, he just thought, like he told on the show, like this shit made my hand stick to my phone like Gorilla Glue. So like they called it Gorilla Glue. <laughs> like, right. It was just like a silly little stoner offhand thing with his buddy in the grow room. Like, and it became a worldwide sensation. Like most people don't plan for that happening. So right. yeah, uh, and those are and those are cool <laughs> stories, and I love stories like that. And I and I definitely empathize with like what you're saying, Brendan, Aaron. Like that, like sometimes those little idiosyncrasies that develop culturally, like they don't happen in a vacuum, obviously. And it kind of sort of sucks to like see this kind of negative attention. But at the same time, it's like, are you not a biter? If you're like, I'm going to literally, <laughs> I'm going to literally use a brand name that already exists instead of not doing that, instead of doing literally anything else than that. Potentially that could be interpreted that way. But I think there's so many people that interpret it as like, it's just simple brand association. I know that and I like that. So this must be like that. They named it because it tastes like that or something, you know, like. Well, especially it, in the case of Skittles, like if it yeah, tastes like Skittles, exactly. like it's hard to describe something else that tastes like Skittles. Right. No, True. Skittles tastes like a fruit. I mean, what the fuck? So you know, Skittles is supposed to like be an abstraction of, right? So the original like Skittle, of Baker's fruit. Skittle. Yeah. Fruit. Yeah. I'll tell you this. Last time I looked at the back of a Skittles, it has a fucking little thing. It says, this one is this flavor. This one's that flavor. This They do taste like real things. Just call it what... I, don't I agree. Have, have a little fucking imagination. Stop fucking taking <laughs> two seconds to name your strain. It's not hard. We can't bitch that they were treating us like a legitimate business. You know, we can't bitch that they want to treat us like every other business out there. That's something we okay. should be happy Fair to enough, see. Fair enough, Spartan. You're right. You're right, bro. You're right. No, right. I agree 100, 110% with you, Spartan, on that. It's uh, I'm against people stealing other brands' names. I've been saying for a long time, come up with your own originalized yeah. name. It's not that difficult. Yeah. There are a bunch it of wasn't, them it wasn't, You can it make up words. But coming up with something catchy, I mean, there's a whole multi-billion dollar industry around branding and coming up with like, catchy brand names. So it's valuable. Dude. Yeah, well, let me ask you guys this. Do you think Gorilla Glue and Skittles would have been as blown up as they are if they weren't named Gorilla Glue and Skittles? Like if that's they a were good just question. Named... No. And yeah, the legal so, yeah, case I think that's part of it. Yes, I think they would have in those particular cases. No. I think yeah. the name Gorilla Glue contributed to the popularity of this strain. Yeah. Even them getting sued, it, it created a story then that we can tell, like we're talking about right now. That's oh, true. He got this sued. is free publicity. Is Nothing happened. happens in a vacuum, right? 
Right. I think I knew the strain before I knew the actual glue. I don't, I didn't see the gorilla guy on the glue bottle before. Like I heard of the strain before I knew of the glue. So I'll say That's that. Funny. I was, the I was aware. Of I want to give but... Spartan a chance oh. to uh, give his final thoughts and uh, shout out. Cause I know he's got about 15 minutes before he's got to get on Michigan bros grow show and he's got to take care of the dogs and refill his tray. And uh, I know he's not smoking, but uh, get ready for the next show. Yeah. I got to refill my tea, but uh, yeah. Shout out to everybody on the panel. Good show today. Um, Good chat today too. Chat's been keeping me pretty entertained. Um, but yeah, man, I just I am happy to see that we're treated like a legitimate company. That's what the change I want to see in in the cannabis field. So you won't hear me pushing back on on being treated like every other business. Um, you will hear me push back on people that. Well, if you caught Medical Mondays on Monday, oh, yeah. I actually got the chance to tell corporate cannabis what I thought. Um, so that was that dope, was Spartan. Power to you, bro. That was dope. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, keep keep vigilant. Keep vigilant uh, in your localities uh, because there's a lot of backdoor lobbyists going on, and uh, you can mo- you can. It's pretty powerful what you can mobilize just by getting word okay. out. Um, you know, we're calling for a boycott here in Michigan on on these big name brands that are trying to take away growing rights here in Michigan, and uh, we've already had one of the I think it was five or six parent companies back out of the uh, lobby group. So. That's a move in the right direction. They're running scared. Spartan. <laughs> Thanks. Other cheers than that, uh, you guys can catch me in 15 minutes at Michigan Girls Grow Show. And uh, cheers. The girls love everybody here. Girls Later. love. They keep also, up the good fight, brother. Uh, you can email him at spartangrown Spartan. at gmail.com. And he's spartangrown uh, on Instagram. All one word. And uh, I think it's really cool. Brandon and uh, the people of Oklahoma just rallied against Metric. And they were That's successful. True. And I think that effort actually inspires the people of Michigan to realize how much power they have as a collective group to go against these lobbies with word of mouth, with spreading it through organic roots in the culture, people reposting these stories, reposting these posts and saying, don't support this brand. And I'm not even in Michigan, but I've stopped supporting three brands that are out here in California because they're lobbying against home grow in Michigan. And I have friends in Michigan. I have people on this panel, people in this chat that would have their rights legitimately dwindled because a few corporate greedy people are trying to lobby against growers rights which is absolutely wrong especially in the case that many of them came from a caregiver background and now they're fighting against where they came from it's disgusting and shameful uh, i highly encourage anybody who's in michigan look into the medical mondays podcast from last week spartan grown uh, lays it down they had one of the brands that's part of this uh, manufacturer's lobby come on and try and defend their stance and spartans like basically just tore into them and told them how it was. And it was a entertaining show for sure. But uh, it's important to keep our eyes open and our ear to the ground because constantly laws are changing. Like California shot down several legalization efforts. And I think a lot of people would have liked to see prop 64 get shot down because although it gave people the right to grow six plants, uh, they can't do it outside. If your city decides to ban it, which 67% of cities have done so only one third of californians can actually grow cannabis outdoors which if you call that legalization i think we're misguided outdoors prop 64 is why i'm leaving california you and many others unfortunately my friend mikey g he was in humble and he just got out here too a fucking ton of people i know are moving out here in other places, everybody, I know so many people in California that are like, I am so done with this place. 
Elon Musk and Joe Rogan, two multimillionaires, <laughs> have left. I know that they're at least notable figures, and a lot of people in the cannabis community are Think familiar about with that. them. When and the wealthiest, work. when some of the wealthiest, most influential people in the state leave, that should give you an indication of how that state is being governed. Did their business leave though? Tesla is moving. I mean, to they they have a gigafactory in Texas, and he's trying to get more of their stuff done in Florida than in California because SpaceX is actually being pushed out. Elon Musk talked mm. a little bit about how there's no, they're the only aerospace company in California. And in the last 10 years, uh, like the top five have all left their places in California because the regulators made it so difficult, unfortunately. I love the state. I think it's got great weather. Uh, Avoid the race to the Kansas. bottom though, guys. I mean, what, we, yeah. we're going to go off the rails here. If so. the, yeah, yeah. If the regulations um, are there I'm, for I'm happy to support high standards. Yeah. Uh, they're written with blood oftentimes. <laughs> You're right about that. People don't understand that statement that Matthew just made sometimes. I think that like some of these regulations are, like you said, written in blood. It's because somebody died or was severely injured. So they had to put in regulations that right. might make things cost more and be slower and uh, you know have higher taxes and things like that. I will say when I was a kid, I came out to California. I could see the fucking smog in the air in L.A. all the time. Every time I came out here, it looked like shit. It was but, gross. It felt terrible to breathe it. And here we are in 2021. The smog is much, much less. The air is much cleaner. And the smogging and doing the things that California has done. Also, like we have, we went from plastic bags being number one most littered thing on the beach to not even in the top 20 because we put a 10 cent tax on bags at the grocery store. It seemed a little ridiculous to a lot of people at first, but that 10 cent tax ended up changing the environment for better. So, Boy, I mean, Jack, is it that polluted? That's where the I didn't actually from? encourage us to go down that hole, but yes, good. A little balance is nice. <laughs> what was that, uh, Kyle? Is it that polluted that they, there's an actual smog from the pollution? Oh, oh yeah, I lived oh, in it was glorious. Horrible. I lived in glorious People's Republic of China in the capital, and um, sometimes, like, <laughs> it would be blocked out. The sun uh, is what I'm referring to, but even in LA, sometimes it can be pretty noxious. It looks but like a it, gray is it, is fog. It pollution, is it pollution in regards to the facilities and the commercial industries, or is it just like pollution in Cars, general? Vehicles, old vehicles that are dumping mm-hmm. like a, well, a like old here. diesel the trucks and stuff. Too. Agriculture. Yeah. Yeah, it's a combination of everything, but the air quality in you can like look at the parts per million of certain pollutants and it's gone down over the past several years. And more electric vehicles being on the road is actually improving the air quality in certain communities, even right. lower income communities in San Diego. I listened to one of the guys in San Diego who's like the air quality uh, management person for different regions. And he talked about how just uh, people switching over to EVs has actually shown noticeable decreases in uh, lung and certain like asthmas in uh, preschool and young children that are having these issues for years and years and years in certain areas. They're seeing less of it now. So I think well, it does that- make a change. Not to shout it out, but uh, if y'all want to come up to New England where it's fresh, <laughs> fresh air. Breathe some of that good air. You know, it's crazy. So like Matthew was talking about with China, uh, there's a Canadian group that was bottling fresh mountain air in Canada and sending it in bottles over to China. So like, uh, oh, yeah, there's big people. money in that. I think yeah, I saw that industry. movie, Spaceballs, right? <laughs> that's the real life now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, people, idiocracy people, people in People pay money for that. People <laughs> pay money for canisters of uh, <laughs> mountain air. Yeah, it's sad but true. Thing. Oh man, that's probably one is, of the. Is it like at least pressurized, or is it just like that container of air? I, I think it's it, pressurized. Can you like take hits off of it or something? Yeah, or it's it's just like, like, it. you just it's open it up man. and it's like gone. 
but no, if, I if think you it's pressurized the, like a mask. New England, I mean, it's it's all it's all mountains and woods and ticks. If you love ticks, come on up. But, uh, I do not love ticks. Lime. So I'm gonna have to. <laughs> right. You'll, you'll, you want lime? Come on up. A shout out to. Uh, so we Nick. were originally talking about cannabis on this podcast, right? That's true. Yeah, we went off the rails quite a bit there, but <laughs> we're coming up to the point where we're gonna go around to the shout outs right now. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. First, I'm gonna pass it over to our duo in Oklahoma, Brandon Rust and Aaron the Grower. Um, Brandon Rust. You can find me at rust.brandon. Almost had the uh, account shut down because some douchebag wants to go and report all my posts, but whatever. He couldn't keep me down. Um, you got to stop yeah. doing that, Aaron. I'm just kidding. Uh, and then this guy right here. Oh, yeah. Me. Oh, I hate a bunch of RSO. I don't even know where I am anymore. Um, I'm Aaron the Grower, ATG Acres on Instagram. Um, ATGAcres.com is my website where you can get yourself a plant packer. Um, best way to ship your clones. Thanks, Jack, for that. And it was really nice to see everybody. This was a really cool, um, fun thing we got to uh, surprise you guys with here. Last minute kind of linking up that I was here doing some stuff. So, um, yeah, it's been a blast. Thank you. Always a pleasure to have you both. It was cool to see you uh, on the same window tonight. And thank you so much for joining us. Next up, we have Dr. MJ. Hey, guys, this was a fun episode. Um, I'm Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. Make sure everybody knows about the strain review giveaway. Uh, you got like one day left to submit your strain reviews for the MetaGrow giveaway that we're doing on the first. Um, and if you missed that, we'll do another giveaway next month. So stay tuned for that. And I got a video out probably on Wednesday this week. So uh, subscribe to my channel um, on YouTube and come visit us at Coco for Cannabis. I had a lot of fun, guys. It was fun seeing Aaron get high with Brandon and um, sort of get spaced out there. That was sort of what I was paying attention to during most of the show. And um, yeah, grow our love to the chat, grow our love to the rest of the panelists, and uh, see you guys next week. Thank you so much for joining us, as always, Dr. MJ. And next up, we have the American one. Jack panel, it was good chatting it up. Uh... You know, these ain't my favorite topics, to be totally honest. So uh, I'll uh, say, you know, marketing names and stuff. I like talking about the plant and what it likes, what it likes. But it's always good talking with you guys. So, like, it makes the other ones even better. And, you know, I'm not lying. So uh, but it was great chatting it up. And I always like checking in on chat and uh, cheers to everyone out in chat land. And, uh, yeah, excellent. Have a good week, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. I always appreciate the honest feedback. Next week, we'll get into a topic that we talked about last week, which is plant training and uh, different methods like LST and topping and what we all prefer and uh, some different tips and tricks like that. We had a guest this week, so I figured uh, we'd introduce them and kind of just see where it went from there. So I uh, think uh, with that being said, I want to pass it next to Matthew Gates. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Gates. I'm an integrated pest management specialist and I'm in a bunch of different places lately. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Sync Angel. You can find me on Instagram at Sync Angel. You can also find me um, on YouTube, uh, Zenthanol. And it's the same account that I'm commenting in the chat with uh, right here today. Love the chat. I did find these conversations to be pretty interesting and at the very least entertaining. Um, it is a bit of a Bit of a madhouse, isn't it? So um, if you're interested in IPM help, you can come um, find me on IPM on uh, YouTube as well as Instagram and Twitter again. Thank you. 
thanks so much for joining us. As always, a pleasure to have you and uh, your expertise joining us on the panel and just general feedback. Next up, we have Kyle. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, my name is Kyle Brader. And, uh, I appreciate everybody that listened this long. And uh, if you want to find Feminized Seeds, I have a website. That's uh, the letter P followed by breeding, pbreeding.com. You can find all my social media uh, photos or videos on uh, predicatedbreeding.com. And uh, I appreciate Jack for making this come alive for the last, dear Lord, last, last year. And uh, I love all y'all and uh, hope to see you guys next week. Take care. Take care, Kyle. Thank you so much for joining us. Aaron, uh, not Aaron, uh, the American one does hand up. Yeah, I would say, you know, I just got reminded, Chad, would be remiss not to remember everyone on the Memorial Day weekend and thank everyone for their uh, service and their loss concerning this weekend. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks. Thank you for that reminder, the American one. Uh, I lost my uncle last year. He was a veteran of Vietnam and a uh, tough loss in the family. And definitely respect all the service members out there that are doing their thing for our country. Uh, I'm going to be probably going to miss a Sunday one of these weeks to go join the Veterans Walk and Talk. They have a chapter out here in San Diego, as well as uh, all over the U.S. They have different walk and talks where veterans go. And whether you're a veteran or not, you can uh, go out and talk with some veterans and uh, just be there and build a little bit of community. Most of them are uh, cannabis friendly. A lot of them are getting into the mycology side of things as well. So it's a really interesting time. And I'm looking forward to spending some time with them. And uh, like the American one said, this weekend is Memorial Weekend. So got to make sure to give credit where it's due. And uh, remember all those that have been lost. And last, and uh, I guess not least myself, Jack Greenstock, I am your host. Or uh, I got a, <laughs> I almost forgot our guest here. Would have been a terrible host if I did that. Uh, Matthew, Ma Max, not Matthew, Max Skirman Ruby. <laughs> How's it going? I, I just want to say thanks. Out. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, these topics, yeah, I'm not uh, so versed in. I mean, I don't, I'm not really in the legal state. So, But besides that, I love being on, and I appreciate you guys all coming here every week and teaching everybody how to how to grow. Um, there's a bunch of great resources here with Cocoa for Cannabis and, you know, just listening to old podcasts. Um, literally, I've learned everything from you guys, so I appreciate all your help, and uh let me sneak in your DMs for a question here and there. We're happy to help, and it was great having you this week. It's always cool to have a new person, a new perspective on the panel. I'm sorry we didn't get to you more. Uh, it was definitely an interesting topic. Uh, not everybody's wheelhouse, but uh, sometimes we get going down a rabbit hole, and I'm not the best at realizing when it's time to shift gears there, but I do my best here as the host. I enjoy every week. I learn something a little bit new and different and enjoy just the company of this awesome uh, panel and our guests. So thank you, Max, for joining us. Thank you, everybody on the panel, and thank you, everyone in the chat who's listening. Hopefully, we have helped you similarly to Max, and uh, if not, hopefully, we will be able to in the future. Uh, my name is Jack Greenstock. You can find me on Instagram as well as Cannabuzz, the name on the logo there behind me. You can also find me at Jack underscore Greenstock on Twitter or email me at JackGreenstock47 at gmail.com. 50 Strains of Green has been printed. Second edition. Boom, right here. Got it in my hands. It's a real thing. Nice. Brandon Rust is in the book. He's featured on uh, the Gorilla Glue Floor 4, as well as his Limerilla are both featured in the book. So if you are interested, be sure to hit me up in the DM. 50strains.com uh, I purchased for the next two years is being built right now. 
So anybody who wants to purchase with a credit card uh, will be able to do that in the next week or so. So that'll be good stuff because uh, otherwise you have to do it through PayPal, Cash App, or Venmo, which I'm fine with uh, if you're okay with that. So if you would like to use one of those payment methods, hit me up at Jack Greenstock at any of those places. So thank you all so much for joining me. Uh, it's another great week. Appreciate everybody being here. Uh, peace and love. Catch you all next week. Jack Greenstock signing out. Grow